0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today, I want to talk about muscle confusion, which is a popular philosophy in the fitness world. First, let's talk about why the theory of muscle confusion came about. I'll get into my thoughts about muscle confusion. And lastly, I'll offer my suggestion on what I believe is a better approach. So first off, what is muscle confusion? Muscle confusion is the philosophy that says that you will plateau or your body will stop adapting if you do exercises that are too similar. If you don't mix up your workouts enough, if you're not always challenging your body in different ways, your muscles will remember how to do a certain movement and they'll stop changing and adapting. Muscle confusion is a popular philosophy for a couple of reasons. First is that the fitness industry understands that novelty sells. A program is more likely to sell if it's new and exciting and different and moves your body in different ways. In fact, fitness and entertainment have been merged together over the years in an attempt to get people to exercise more consistently. I think that is totally fair. I mean, personally, I know I get bored with my workouts and by mixing it up, it can keep your workouts more exciting and entertaining and make you look forward to it more and honestly just make you more consistent. That's reason number one, is that the fitness industry saw an opportunity knowing that consumers are more likely to buy a program if it's new and different and exciting. And then the second reason that muscle confusion became popular was that trying a new workout or different exercises often results in muscle soreness, which people interpret or equate as meaning that they had an effective workout. But studies show that soreness actually isn't a reliable indicator of the effectiveness of your workouts. So let's break it down. You're more likely to experience DOMS, which means delayed onset muscle soreness, after performing an activity that your body isn't used to, which is good news for those exercise enthusiasts who are sore after they try something new and, and think to themselves, I thought I was strong, but I guess I'm not. I got super sore after this thing that seemed relatively easy. You probably are strong. Your body was just simply challenged in a different way. So for example, the first time I played a very casual, low-key game of pickleball, I was so so sore in my hips the next day. My body isn't used to cutting and sprinting and moving in that way, but it doesn't mean that my hips are weak or that pickleball is what's best for making them stronger. It just means that I did an activity that was relatively foreign to my body and resulted in soreness. So does soreness mean that you had an effective workout? No, probably not. I mean, it can mean that, but Not always. It's not a reliable indicator. Soreness can measure inflammation to the muscle, but studies show that soreness doesn't necessarily indicate the level of micro damage to the tissue. In some cases, more severe micro damage after a hard workout showed no muscle soreness. And in other cases, almost no micro damage did result in soreness. So it's just really not a reliable indicator. So if you felt like you had a great workout and you're disappointed when you aren't sore the next day, it doesn't mean your workout isn't moving you in the right direction. In fact, what will happen as you begin to use progressive overload for strengthening your muscles, which I'll explain here in a moment, is that you'll have workouts that don't result in soreness. And I think people have come to assume that if they aren't sore from their workouts, that they're plateauing, which research just says that's just not true. So just to summarize, the philosophy of muscle confusion probably came from the idea that novelty sells, and then number two, the belief that the more sore you are, the better your workout. And I think that it's important to understand where this philosophy of muscle confusion came from, because there's messaging within the fitness industry that many times comes from marketing and what will sell rather than from sound science. So I'm using this podcast kind of as a platform to tease some of those things out so that you can be more educated and make better decisions about your workouts and your programming. So the question is, Is muscle confusion a real thing? And should we be constantly exercising in new and different ways in order to avoid plateauing? I think that's the whole argument for muscle confusion is that you want to move in different ways and quote unquote confuse your muscles so that they don't get too used to doing something and you just see your body plateau. So should we exercise and move in new and different ways? And my answer is yes and no. Yes, you should be learning new movements throughout your life. So your brain has what's called the motor cortex. This part of your brain is responsible for learning a new motor or a physical skill, like doing a cartwheel or a layup or learning a new dance. As kids, we use our motor cortex to learn new skills constantly. First, we learn how to walk, then we learn how to run, then skip and bike. And for many of us, we even utilize our motor cortex into our teenage years by learning new skills in sports. And as we transition into adulthood, many of us stop learning new motor skills, and this part of our brain can get atrophied from underuse. Your brain is a use it or lose it organ. We want to challenge as many areas of our brain as possible throughout our lives in order to keep it well functioning and sharp. As adults, again, we stop learning new motor skills. In sports, we stop learning how to skateboard and do a cartwheel. And most of our day just consists of sitting and standing and walking forward and laying down and just doing the same skills over and over and over. I'm a huge proponent of learning new skills even if it's small things here and there. In my classes, we actually apply this in our warmup and in our cool down. So it's as simple as learning how to just coordinate a new mobility drill, like circling your rib cage, um, circling your ankle and figure eights, learning how to individually move each of your toes and more. So you can do that within your workouts, within the warmup or the cool down. Additionally, I'm a fan of challenging your motor cortex by dancing or picking up a new sport, or really there are endless ways to learn new skills but i don't necessarily believe that this applies to your resistance training routine and the optimal loading of your muscles by using this muscle confusion philosophy because if you've tried to learn a new skill you know it takes a lot of concentration when your brain is learning a new skill it has to focus very hard coordination and strength are two very different systems within your body and don't necessarily have to be merged together If your brain is busy focusing on coordinating movements, it won't be able to focus on producing force from your muscles and you won't be able to load your muscles as much or as effectively. The outcome might be that you are better at a movement, but it might not result in optimal damage to your muscle tissue. If improving strength and muscle definition In your body is your goal, which is honestly kind of what I recommend for anyone who is exercising. Constantly challenging your coordination and motor learning cortex can actually inhibit this outcome. You can try this for yourself. So do a bicep curl with both feet flat on the ground and see how many reps you can do. Then try doing a bicep curl on one leg and see how many reps you can do. Odds are you will be able to do less repetitions when you're on one leg. Because your brain has to focus on coordinating your balance and doing a bicep curl, your muscular output actually declines. This means that your bicep gets less quality work and the results just aren't as ideal. So if you want to work on coordination, which I think is an amazing thing, working on coordination is can be really great for you, work on your coordination. If you want to work on your strength and your muscle definition, work on your strength and your muscle definition. But merging the two will just end up kind of diminishing the benefits of either one instead of getting better outcomes from working on them separately. So to create optimal change and adaptation in your muscles, your movements don't really have to be super creative. It just has to load the muscles in the direction the muscle contracts. Your muscles know how to contract and relax. Some positions are more optimal for loading muscles than others, but your muscles won't get used to a certain position of loading and just stop improving. And trust me, my creative brain hates this part. But I've come to realize that for each muscle group, there are a set of exercises that load that muscle group the best, just kind of based on physics principles, and therefore create the most desirable change in those muscles. Mixing it up by introducing new patterns of movement that your body has to learn won't necessarily drive better results when it comes to developing more muscle for a couple of reasons. One, your brain is focusing on coordinating the new movement, not on effectively contracting the muscle. And two, since there are certain movements that are better for targeting muscles, doing a less desirable movement for that specific muscle will result in less desirable outcomes. Muscles are loaded best when a few key things happen. So number one, the movement is bringing the origin of the muscle towards the insertion of the muscle. Number two, the force, which means the weight you're holding, a cable, a band, gravity, whatever the force is, is actually loading the muscle in the direction that that muscle pulls number three the strength profile of the muscle and the resistance curve of that exercise match and if you don't know what that means check out last week's podcast episode to learn more about this and i think i'm going to do an entirely different podcast about strength profiles and resistance curves and things like that and then number four Surrounding structures, so like your cartilage, discs, ligaments, bursa, rotator crust, etc., are at little or no risk of rupture or damage. So basically, the exercise loads the muscle optimally, And it reduces risk of injury in surrounding structures. So four things, again, number one, the movement is bringing the origin of the muscle towards the insertion. Number two, the force is actually loading the muscle, which you would be surprised at how many exercises don't actually load the muscle that people think they're loading. Like a bent over row, people think that's the middle back. It's actually loading your posterior deltoid based on the resistance profile of that exercise. And then number three, the strength profile of the muscle and the resistance curve of the exercise match and then number four surrounding structures are at little or no risk of rupture or damage. Your muscles don't have to be confused in order for you to see progress. Muscle strength happens when muscle is progressively overloaded using these principles to create optimal change. When a new movement is introduced that doesn't necessarily follow these principles, less optimal change will occur. In my opinion, muscle confusion is honestly a marketing tactic that the fitness industry uses in order to keep their customers excited for their next workout. In fact, I did a quick PubMed search and couldn't find any scholarly articles that even referenced muscle confusion. So, I do think that it's a trend rather than based in evidence. What truly works for improving your fitness and what is backed in evidence is progressive overload and intentional exercise selection using the principles I mentioned above. So here's how this works. We'll take someone that's new to Evlo and new to my program. So when you're new to Evlo, you'll find that there's a period of coordination and motor learning that is involved. And at this point, you can't use super heavy weight and your body might be really sore the next day. That's because your body is learning new movements, which is likely to cause soreness. After about a month or so, the soreness will start to diminish and you'll notice that the weights you initially used are too light and you can go up in weight. And this is because you've gone through a period of motor learning where your nervous system has become more efficient at the movement and you can lift heavier weights and do more repetitions and you aren't as sore. After this period, you actually might be a little discouraged because you aren't getting sore like you did in the beginning. But again, remember that soreness isn't necessarily an effective measure of your workouts. And this is actually where the real change begins to happen. Because after two or three months of progressive overload, where you're slowly able to do more repetitions and or use more weight, you'll start to see your body adapt because your brain has to focus less on coordinating the movement and can focus more on producing output or force in your muscles. So you do an exercise that specifically targets a muscle group with at least two to three days of recovery that muscle is then repaired to be stronger and over time you can progressively lift more and you can do more reps or sets without getting fatigued eventually you start to see more muscle definition your metabolism begins to increase your joints feel better it's just you all around see amazing results so this process takes time and patience but eventually you get to a point where you are happy with the definition in your body and you can move to more of a maintenance phase where you are keeping the weight and reps about the same of each workout where this process is interrupted is when you're constantly introducing new motor learning activities and movements into the mix and you basically just have to start over from square one this can kill progress because instead of focusing on producing output in the muscle you're trying to strengthen your brain is focusing on coordinating a new movement this means you might create a stronger circuit to that exact new skill that you're learning but you may miss out on creating optimal stimulus in the muscle you're actually trying to change So as a fitness instructor developing the Evlo method, I really had to ask myself, how can I make a program exciting and make people want to stay consistent while still trying to stay true to the science of progressive overload and the fact that mixing it up too much can actually cause not as desirable results. So here's what I do, and here's what I recommend you do. I selectively choose the most optimal exercises for each muscle group, but I also change up things like I'll change up the tempo, you know, up for two, down for two or whatever, or we work more on eccentric. So working more on the lowering phase, we change the order of how we do exercises. We'll do drop sets. We'll do, we'll chat, we'll change the workout design. Uh, We'll use different equipment. There's so many ways to keep things fresh and exciting without compromising the idea that progressive overload means that you're really kind of choosing the most effective exercises for each muscle group and not deviating a ton outside of Those. So, one comment I get from the evlo members frequently is that they don't dread their workouts like they did in other programs. And to me, this is like the best compliment because this means that they can show up consistently for themselves. And consistently and gently working your body is truly what will result in the most sustainable outcomes. This is the outcomes that you will be the most happy with. And I think this is because we practice progressive overload and they know that they will see their progress week after week. And it just feels so satisfying to feel the muscle that we're targeting actually contract and fatigue without their joints hurting. So just to summarize, progressive overload is really what you want to focus on rather than mixing up your workouts too much. However, I do think that learning new movements and learning new skills is very important, especially as adults and as we're getting older. So you can do this in your mobility warm-up drills. You could do this by learning a new sport. You could do this by going dancing. Learning new skills is going to keep that motor cortex of your brain strong. However, when it comes to resistance training, we don't have to deviate too much from the most effective exercises in order to see results so if you're not seeing results or if your joints feel like crap from your workouts it could be because you're mixing it up too much rather than spending time on progressive overload with the most effective most bang for your buck exercises so if you're ready for your joints to feel better and to apply these principles to your workouts it's time to join us in Evlo. there's a seven day free trial so you can just get in there and check it out and see if you like it it's evlo fitness e-v-l-o fitness dot com and we would love to have you there thank you for listening and we'll see you next week bye